This week's episode of the Vel News Podcast brought to you by Cyclops, makers of some of the best indoor trainers on the market, specifically the Magnus and the Hammer Smart Trainers. Magnus and Hammer. Great names for these trainers. Spencer, it's getting cold outside I this know. week. We're supposed Ugh. to get some snow. Brutal. Brutal. Uh, it's so much better now, though, because you could use Zwift or all these other online yep. training things, and that's where Cyclops comes in because their trainers are awesome. I setup. know. For the uh, the Magnus and the Hammer, they work perfectly with Zwift, with Be Cool, with Ruby, with all of these great interactive training tools, and you can plug in, race your friends, and just get going, not even miss a beat. So thanks to our friends over at Cyclops for sponsoring this week's episode. Let's get on with the show. It's the Velenews Podcast. I'm Fred Dreyer. Oh, the week after Thanksgiving. Mm. I'm feeling feeling a little full still. Got some sides, some turkey, some gravy, all just sloshing around in there. Spencer Paulison, you're sitting here. How are you feeling? Did you overindulge? I feel pretty good, Fred. I actually didn't overindulge. Well, look at you. Kept it on the level, you know, and got out for some nice bike rides in this final gasp of warm weather before it gets gross here in Colorado. Well, we even got a ride in together, Fred. That was true. great. Yeah, yeah it's it's good, good stuff. Really good. Uh, also joining me today, Chris Case, managing editor, Velo News. Chris, did you indulge in all of the Thanksgiving goodness? I took Spencer's approach. I was I was uh, a good boy. Oh my gosh! Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I had like thirds. I had fourths. I had, you should have seen the heaping pile of dessert that I had. My mother-in-law. Oh, just the best dessert cook. And I'm going to be riding off my Thanksgiving meal for weeks and weeks and weeks. I'm also going to be like trying to get back on the bike after I went on a little hiking trip to the Grand Canyon. Mm. Ooh. And how, you know how are the quads. Oh, I gotta say, you know, as cyclists, a lot of times we think we're really fit. We're like, oh, I can ride a hundred miles. You know, I have great, you know, body fitness. And then you go do something like a hike, which I did. Classic mistake. Oh my gosh. You find different muscles that I you was, never thought you had. I know. I w- could barely get off the couch for several days. But now you're prepared for like a long distance cyclocross race. Yeah, it's that's like, true. It's like run up base miles. Yeah, it's like, Three oh peaks, hey, maybe. Does your, uh, does your cyclocross course include uh, 6,000 vertical feet of climbing <laughs> uphill? I'm ready for that now. Nailed it. Oh man, I'm tired. Never do anything other than ride your bike, cyclists. Yeah. That's mm. the real lesson here. Anyway, we have a lot to get to on this week's show show. We have super fun cyclocross racing in Europe to get to. We had a round of the UCI World Cup and the DVV trophy go on this past weekend. A lot of mud, like watching some clips. Getting into it now. Sloppy, muddy cyclocross. Uh, We also have fun breaking news. Ding, 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 breaking news that Chris Froome may be possibly kind of, sort of, We'll be racing the Giro d'Italia in 2018. Reports, secret sources, a lot of stuff buzzing around about Froome to the Giro. And we are going to call up our good friend, Gregor Brown, our Italian correspondent. Check in with Gregor because he had a story on today's site about Froome maybe potentially kind of sort of racing the Giro and what it means for Italian cycling. So I say we start with Gregor. Let's, Let's give him a ring. Let's give him a buzz. Okay. We have Gregor Brown on the line in Italy. Gregor, where where are you in Italy right now? Let the fill us in. We'll set the scene. Hey boys, Florence, Italy, a hotbed of Renaissance and and of today, the you know the breaking news about Chris Froome. Yeah, so Gregor, let's get into it. You had a story on our website today, uh, citing a report in the Dutch newspaper Telegraph, but then also some of your own reporting around Team Sky, and it looks like Chris Froome maybe racing the Giro. 
First of all, how confident are you that Chris Froome's going to race the Giro? And uh, what's sort of the vibe like around Italian cycling right now with this news coming down? Oh, he'll be there at the start of May in, uh, for the Giro d'Italia. That's how sure I am. Yeah, the darn duchies, they they uh, they got it up quicker than I did. I uh, was working on it for a couple weeks, uh, ringing up multiple sources and trying to get somebody to confirm it. Only when the duchess had it up this morning did one of my uh, sources um, finally, finally come through and say, yeah, it's true. And then, then another one popped through and said, yeah, confirmed it as well. So it's definitely happening. happening. Uh, I think we're going to see an announcement probably in the next couple of days, likely on Wednesday at the presentation in Milan for the Giro d'Italia. Um, yeah, so that's uh, it's a sure thing, Fred. We, we we can we'll see we'll see Froome, and don't forget it starts in Jerusalem. Are people excited, or are people kind of groaning and rolling their eyes about this, Gregor? What's uh, what what's the mood? I think uh, perhaps the only you know the only only people who aren't excited are, are the Thomases in uh, in Wells. Maybe maybe Garrett Thomas wanted to be the sole leader of of the Sky Force when they start the Giro d'Italia, but I think most people appreciate. I think Chris Froome's going to gain a lot of uh, fans out of this. I mean, this is a huge undertaking for Chris Froome, who's making so much money at publicity and for Team Sky at the Tour de France. He's the Tour de France win next year. So to back off and and try to go for the Giro d'Italia is, is quite amazing. Well, we shouldn't say back off because he's he's won the, the Tour de France in 2017 this summer and then backed that up with the Vuelta Espana for the first time in Chris Froome's Palmar's. So to get the Giro d'Italia in May, that would be something that no one's ever done. Not even Jack Hackadill, Eddie Merckx, Popey, any of the greats. No one's ever won three Grand Tours in a row. And, and these would, of course, you know, span the off season, but no one's ever done it. Well, and anyways, Garen Thomas would have crashed out in the first week or two. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> not even, not even a legit option. Yeah. Uh, take out wait. both Froome and Thomas. You ooh, never know. Ooh, dangerous. Yeah. Wait. Well, let's hope not. Let's hope not. We can throw in Wilco, Wilco Kilderman in that as well. <laughs> ah, I mean, watch out for those motorbikes. Gregor, wait a sec. Let's back up here. Because, you know, you're you're putting your money where your mouth is. You're saying Chris Froome is going to be at the start in Jerusalem. He's going to be racing the Giuditalia. There's been rumors swirling around for the last couple of weeks. Didn't we, didn't we see this last year as well? Like, when... This year, when did you get the sense that the rumors were starting to be closer to reality? Well, um, well, yeah, well first, I, I'm saying that they're going to announce Chris Room's going to race the Giro d'Italia, whether or not between now and, and May 4th or 5th when the Giro starts in Jerusalem. It's there. Well, you know, anything could happen. You may have to pull the plug on it. We saw Fabio Aru crash in training earlier this year. Couldn't race the Giro d'Italia. Yeah, last year is a bit different because Chris Froome, I think, tweeted either when the route was leaked or after the presentation that, you know, he said, I really like that. Uh, it looks like a whole Giro route. And, you know, speculation started stirring. But um, n- no, I, I'm sure on this because I, I've been uh, talking directly with some of the people that are on the inside and, and the meetings that have been going on. And, and then we saw the, the Times article that came out. About a month ago, how Tim Kirsten, Chris Froome's coach, Froome and, and Brelsford, the Team Sky boss, were all looking at this seriously. And that's what my sources were saying as well, that it was going on. It's just the sources are so close that they, <laughs> so that they couldn't comment on it because it would be clear that it came from them. So it kind of took some other massaging of other sources to get everything in line and, and more than I can't say because the horses may come and find me in the middle of the night in Florence and 
rip me out of my bed. Well, let's hope that doesn't happen. But speaking of Team Sky, so Gregor, how is Team Sky going to break their Jiro curse? Because Team Sky yeah. always goes to the Jiro with these big plans and something always happens. Yeah, well, this is, they're bringing in the ace. I mean, if Froome uh, can't do it, then, then no one can. Of course, everything in the Jiro comes down to ha- having luck on your side. So Rich- Richie Port didn't have that. Uh, Bradley Wiggins didn't have that. Alanda didn't have that uh, the last two years, suffering problems. Only Rigoberto Oran, maybe back in 2010 or 11, wrote to second overall. Garrett Thomas didn't have it. You know, uh, Motorbike was took out both of those guys in the uh, blockhouse stage last year. So Chris Froome, I mean, this is a serious deal. What I understand is that the route was given to Team Sky that, you know, either – Either the RCS officials would have sent them PDFs, we, we transferred them, or maybe actual hard copies. Team Sky had the route in hand, and they were looking over it. Now, the only thing that, that Mauro Vigny, the cycling director at RCS Sport, may touch between now and the presentation, uh, well, he, he would have already done it because the, the books are probably printed out now for, for Wednesday, but the only thing that they may have t- touched would be the, the length of that long time trial. It's 34.5 kilometers. Um uh, near Lake Garda in the north in the third week. That's the only thing they could touch. And maybe they'll lengthen it a bit. And we saw that a bit with uh, Lance Armstrong when he raced in 2009. Uh, I was there. We had the longest time trial in years. It was like 60, 60 kilometers. And it, was, and it wasn't just a straight power time trial course. It was instead, uh, it was one along the uh, Cinque Terre, the beautiful area there in the Guardia. So it was, it was a tricky affair. That sounds like an unfair advantage, Gregor, that they're giving these guys the route before anyone else. Yeah, well, it, it's going around. Uh, it's a marginal game, uh, maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe maybe like the Tom Dumoulin camp would have it, too. They're still trying to convince him. I think that he's going to race the Tour. Won't won't be at the, won't be at the Giro. But uh, no, the route's going to come out anyway. The route's what it is. The only, like I said, the only thing that can change is perhaps the length of that time trial. Don't forget, we also start with a 10.1-kilometer time trial around around Jerusalem. Probably not touching the old cities, what I hear today, because they want to avoid uh, the tricky roads or perhaps uh, some of the political affairs that uh, that connect the old city. Uh, so, sounds so, like it sounds like you're saying that Chris Froome has this wrapped up. Mm, no, no, because Chris, I mean, what, what will happen is that. Um, you know, you'll get you'll get you'll get Lady Luck to come into play. We'll get some rainstorms in May. It'll be a terrible rainy May, and then uh, there'll be some diesel slicks on the roads. There'll be <laughs> typical cracks and like a Mario Kart. Are falling yeah, the roads in Italy are falling apart like Pompeii. I mean, this is the, everybody thanks the Giro for coming through town because they repaved the roads. Uh, so no, it's not a done deal. I mean, you remember Cruisewick uh, smashed into a snowbank, and I do uh, remember that. Yes, out. yeah, with the, with another Giro win. So. Now, what's cool about this is, so he could become the first, you know, to to win three consecutive Grand Tours, and that would be something special in history. But also, the, and, and off of that, if he won, he would be then going for a double back at the Tour de France, and that would be the first time in 20 years since Marco Pantani did in 1998. But what we're going to see at the Tour de France, when we haven't talked about that, is that we'll potentially a slightly weakened Froome, maybe? I, I don't know. And that's going to open things up for... For uh, Tom Dumoulin and for Roman Bardet, you know these guys there to, to have more more of a shot against normally superhuman person. So, Gregor, if there's one thing we know about Team Sky is that they love 
control. They love to control races, be in control of the front, know exactly what's going on. How does that need for control contrast with what we know about the Giro d'Italia and the chaos that it serves yeah. up every year? It's definitely hard. I mean, the, the, the team will, will come into play in those first two weeks as we're as we're in Israel, as we're in Sicily, we're going up uh, the boot of Italy. And then, then when you get up to those mountains, it's a bit tough, uh, but you can still have a, a, a lot of control because, uh, you know, it's the first kilometers in the stages and Sky can Sky can do that. What's going to be interesting is kind of what team they they select. I kind of get the idea that Johnny Moscon, this you know, young, talented rider from Trento, will raise. Uh, he did such a, an amazing job for Chris Froome at Volta Spagna, and he finished with it in the Ferry Bay or last. Real fan year. favorite, too. Yeah, people <laughs> Really guy. popular guy. He's a, yeah. such a gentleman in the peloton. <laughs> yeah. 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 Real, just, real, real teddy bear. So we can real teddy bear. Teddy, teddy bear Moscon. <laughs> We'll have plenty to write about if he starts popping off at the at the uh, the Giro. They call him Il Tractore because he he's gr- he grew up on a on an apple farm and he's I guess apparently driving a tractor. So. <laughs> he's, yeah. Uh, How do we expect? I mean, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see this. We're gonna see big hitters. Like if they, if they take Froome to the Giro, they're gonna want to back it up with some uh, you know your Kiriankas or is Kiriankas still in the team. Uh, some of these big diesel motors that uh, we see. Pop- powering along maybe maybe ian standard although i suspect those classic guys like ian standard uh won't race yeah it could get it could get tricky for most going and standard if they want to focus on the on the the cobbles one guy probably luke Rowe, because he's going to be missing the classics and he may just peak in time to pop into the giro d'italia gregor how do you anticipate how do you anticipate the um Italian cycling fans and the press to uh, react to Froome, the personality. I mean, Froome now over the last few years has been, oh, sort of not shunned by the French press and French fans, but they've grown a bit weary of him. I'm curious. And they like to throw pee on him sometimes. They threw pee on him. They do that occasionally. Let's just be honest. The French threw pee on Froome. Yeah. Oh, God, French fans. I mean, how do you see the the Froome sensibilities uh, jiving with the Italian cycling fans? Like, do, are they going to embrace this guy? Are they going to shower him with urine? What do you, <laughs> somewhere in between? Is it going to be pink urine? <laughs> yeah. What, what, how do you think you're going to? Um, let's think, you know, let's take a step back because the, the, the pee and all the insults, maybe it wasn't so much at, at Froome as it was at Sky because of controversies are going on what, what we saw last year at the Tour de France was that, uh, that the fans are much more open to Chris Froome what he's been doing he's been doing this big like PR spin because he he makes himself available all the time to speak with press and uh, I think that's been more appreciated now he did that at the Vuelta España too but he was in the leader's jersey I think from from start to finish right or something like that so in the Giro d'Italia I think they're gonna love it because uh, the, 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 the guy like Alberto Contador, he, he came to the Giro d'Italia often and he, and he embraced it and said, you know how great the gelato is, how great it is, and, <laughs> and the Italians. And and it just won him so many more fans. And I, I think that's what's going to happen in, in Italy. I don't, they're, because the, the Tofosi here, the fans are, are you know, getting bogged down in all the... And all the stuff that's going on, maybe with medical certificates or, or <laughs> they like to overlook things. Yeah, they're, they're you know whatever. <laughs> they're, they're more kind of a general fan, and they're not the they're not the the people that are flipping through Vela News or, or, or like us oh, that are into every little detail. 
Our uh, Italian subscriptions are way down. Admittedly. Yeah, what the heck? <laughs> They're into the super modified class of racing. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, they'll just appreciate Froome coming there as a racer, and that's going to mean a lot. That's going to mean a lot for his legacy. Uh, win or lose, it's going to mean it's going to mean so much because they, they talk about Miguel Indurain all the time. They talk about about Chris, uh, excuse me, about uh, Alberto Contador. You know, these foreigners that have come to Italy and embraced it, raced the Giro. And, uh, and that means a lot in these traditionally races, the other two smaller Grand Tours, like the Volta Spagna and the Giro, which are, are we see the majority, especially in the Giro d'Italia, are, are locals racing. On the flip side of that, it sounds like Dumoulin won't be there. Is it, is it something that the Italian fans will understand and appreciate that he wants to go for the Tour now and, and the, they won't hold that against him? I think so. I mean, it seems like, it seems like Dumoulin's progression and... Uh, yeah, I think they'll, no, no offense to Dumoulin, I think they'll easily forget about him when you get <laughs> lining up. We'll miss, the, we'll miss the Dumoulin poo on the side of the road, for sure. Wait, so does uh, Froome already have his excuse ready, then, for the 2018 Tour de France? a good excuse. Really good excuse. Oh, I won the Giro. It was so hard. Montez on blah, because, blah, blah, you know, blah. He, he's the guy that, you know, can, can take it to Froome, because uh, if they got that long time trial in there, and it, okay, 34.5 is not that long, unless, unless they lengthen it, but then... And the ten point one at the start in Jerusalem, they got in. If they get that in there, Dumoulin's the only guy that could really take it to Froome. If you look at the overall picture, because who's going to out time trial Froome? No, well, no one's going to out time trial Froome. But who's going to stay close to him enough to be able to put time into him in the mountains? I can't think of a name. You know, you, we're going to have uh, Fabio Ruiz for sure racing, and maybe guys like Esteban Chavez, Mikel Landa, come up with some other names. I'm how pissed? Sure, but... How pissed do you think Fabio Aru is if if Froome ends up at the Giro? He's like, come on, man! I like to I skipped <laughs> it. I, last year. I couldn't do it. And now this year you're coming to, to snatch it from me. Like, come on. Yeah, it's uh, you know those guys. Of course, we always get a curveball in, in the Giro d'Italia in, in, in any race, so that's the beauty of racing. But if everything goes without crashes, without any sort of uh, surprises, it, it'd be hard not to bet on Chris Froome winning the Giro d'Italia. And that, you know, there's little things that play up, like the weather, people's allergies in, in May, uh, things like that. But um, and on paper, you'd be pretty silly not to bet against Chris Froome. Well, there you have it, everyone. Gregor Brown betting his life savings on Chris Froome. <laughs> Racing and then Perfect. winning the 2018 Giro d'Italia. That's some. That's a lot of gelato, mm. Gregor. <laughs> I, you know, Chris Froome gonna, with that naked photo we saw of him online. I'm gonna go out on a limb. Don't Not a gelato not. fan. We'll not a gelato fan. We'll get the confirmation in the next uh, few hours. In the next 28, 48 hours, guys. I mean, don't uh, don't be misled by those other reports. We're gonna forget <laughs> it. We get, we get the sources behind this article. All right. Well, great work, Gregor. We appreciate it. And we'll be checking in with you likely in the next few weeks as Froome Girogate 2018 uh, materializes. Spencer, you went out and rode your bicycle this weekend, right? You put in some huge miles, right? We, we had some good rides, Fred. We did, did a good ride. Well, you know what you can do with those miles you can use them to get a great quote on life insurance. That's right. VeloNews podcast listeners, we work with Health IQ, the life insurance company that gives great rates to healthy, fit people like us, runners, cyclists, vegans, people who get after it, go skiing. Uh, you can use a printout of your Strava, of your Garmin, whatever fitness tracker. You can do a printout use. from your Garmin. Well, you screen grab it. 
and you submit it and you get a great quote on life insurance. They even have a URL built for us. That's right. Fred, I'm not so sure if you quite understand how these devices work, but regardless, the URL, healthiq.com slash fellow news. Get your free quote there. HealthIQ.com slash fellow news because I had marbles in my mouth. So wait, you, we fax it to him there? Yep. <laughs> Snail mail? Yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, just uh, dial it in just on your Just hit the print button on your Garmin. Yeah, and... hit the print button. <laughs> and it'll be great. Yeah. All right, well, that's HealthIQ.com slash fellow news. news. All right, there back we go. to there the show. Go. Back to the show. Um, okay, guys, before we get into some talk about cyclocross, I think we all need to go around and have just some quick takes on Chris Froome to the Giro. And the take is, what is your emotional noise from learning this news that Chris Froome will likely be racing the Giro? If I was in a, I'm going to go with emoji. Now, okay. Yeah. So the, my emoji would be that the face with the hand underneath it looking mm. kind of upward quizzically sort of, huh, really? Interesting. That's mine. Okay. I'll, I'll stick with the emoji theme. Um, and this is just my initial reaction. It's the one with the smoke coming out of the ears. Ooh, oh. the mad emoji. <laughs> the mad emoji. And it's kind of like a red face as well. Yeah, there's a little Ooh. bit of redness. Okay. I'm doing full-on shrug emoji, emoji with a wah, wah, wah sound did, attached. Did you make it like match your dark hair, or do you just do the yellow guy? No, I will make it, make it, it match my dark hair, of course. Um, inclusive, I, very inclusive. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. It's a thing. He's going to race the Giro. It's a ways off, so it's a little hard to be too speculative about it, but... It's true. It's nice to have something to talk about, right, here in December? That's true. November, whenever it is. You know what? I'm going to change my shrug emoji oh. to a sm- big, big toothy grin emoji. I'm happy. All right. Do it. Really? He's been talking about doing it for a long time. He's taking the step backwards He's there. always threatened to do it, and now he's doing it. Get her done, Chris Room. Go race that Giro. And I hope someone drops you on Montez Ancolon. Mm. Uh, right. Montez I have ridden it. Yeah? It's hard. Did you get dropped on it? No, I dropped everybody, wow, but I was with go. a bunch of, you know. Yeah. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> Them some bragging wow. content yeah. comments over there. I um, want to respect Froome. I want to enjoy what he's doing, but I, I struggle. It's kind of like our, our in our awards issue, Andy wrote, he's the guy that a lot of people love to hate. And I'd say a lot of people on this side of the Atlantic love to hate. Yeah. I think the Brits like him. I think the French. Oh, he's he's a really nice lad. French throws some pee. Have a cup of tea with uh, Chris Froome. And it may be what what Gregor said. It has a lot to do with the team he's on, and not just himself. But I think it's the combination that sends people over the edge sometimes. Sky is not a very sympathetic team right now. No, No, not really. Well, I will say that Sky trying to tame the Giro is going to be. uh, It's going to be a major challenge for them. I mean, every year we see motorcycles parked on the side of the road, crazy wind, rain, train tracks like there's so many things that that race can throw to derail somebody so it will be the ultimate test of controlled cycling versus uncontrolled cycling and i'm really excited to see that this is true and whoever wins if it isn't Froome, can take great satisfaction in in beating him because he's now it's not a oh let's race the vuelta and see if what i have left in the tank sort of thing which he's done a couple years in the past um before winning it this year it's uh he's focused on this yep and um 
If you beat them, you beat them. Chapeau. Moving on, guys, let's talk cyclocross. We had some great cross action this past weekend. We had a round of the World Cup held in Zeven, Germany. It's the Germans. It, was, it looked pretty muddy. It looked real muddy. It was, it was heinous. Got to be some of the most running I've seen in a World Cup race in quite a while. Yeah. And Basically then, a running race. The next day, on Sunday, we had the Flandrian cyclocross in Hama, Belgium. And Hama. that also looked that also looked muddy. Hama time. Yeah. It wasn't as muddy, but the there was definitely some moisture in the soil. Yeah, yep. we're getting into that nice winter time for mm. cross where it just every race can be just a soupy mess. Well, and we're entering the phase of the season where a lot of Americans are going over to contest these races. You know, earlier in the season we saw a lot of the Americans, minus Katie Compton, racing in the US Cup racing in domestic cross races, and it really seems like the top end of the domestic cross scene went over about a week and a half ago to start contesting these races, and they had varying degrees of success and frustration. Um, Stephen Hyde, reigning US champion, he seemed to be going well, but had some crashes in the mud. Spencer, what did you uh, did you see any of those crashes? We saw a clip in the in the highlight. It looked like a guy crashed right in front of him, sort of mid pack, early. Wrong place at the wrong time in yep. the World Cup race. And, and he just, first lap, and it's hard to come back from that. He also going back to the weekend before this broke a chain at the start of the uh, World Cup race in Denmark, and that's disappointing as well for him. It's tough, you know. These guys make such a big effort to get over there, spend all this money, and to have things beyond their control take them out of the race. It's it's a bummer to see. Hopefully, uh, hopefully. Hopefully Stephen Hyde can can pull it together and have a really good race at some of these European races. He posted some photos on his Instagram. Here's a photo dump of my trip through Denmark and Germany so far. Two disappointing World Cups and some beautiful places. And it's photos of uh, drinkable Snickers and Twix bars. Ew, Ew. nice. Yeah. That doesn't sound That's like... not a very professional move. No. no. Mm, wow, Van Aert's not drinking Snickers bars. Yeah, but I think maybe <laughs> drinking a Snickers bar after you get crashed out into consolation the Consolation prize, yeah. it's kind of a consolation yeah. prize. Yeah, well, you gotta, you know, keep the spirits high. Um, on the women's side, we saw some really, really great performances, including, uh, dare we say it, a breakthrough international performance. In some ways, yeah. By I mean, Ellen Noble? With, with Ellen Noble coming in second at uh, Flandrian Cross. Granted, it's the day after World Cup, but uh, riding on the front with Katie Compton for a, a majority of the race, um, really sticking it to Sana Kant, who eventually came back, uh, distanced them. But, you know, you saw the excitement on Ellen Noble's face when she crossed the line and was cheering as she out-sprinted Katie Compton. So, uh, in a way, a breakthrough event, you know, she, She's in the elite ranks now, not just doing this in U23 races. So pretty awesome to see. Hopping the barriers in the World Cup the day before, too. Very impressive skills. Very impressive. Now, Chris, you have interviewed Ellen on a number of occasions and written about her. What can you say about Ellen's technical skills? Because, you know, this was a, these were muddy races. These were races where it wasn't necessarily about drafting and tactics. It was about survival and about, you know, making it over the actual course uh, what can you say about Ellen as a technical mud rider? I, I think she prides herself on being technically more proficient and uh, pushing herself to be the only one or be one of the few that can get over the barriers. And I think it comes uh, also from from her mountain biking background, um, being from, uh, she's a maniac. She's from Maine. She's grown up in these types of sloppy, slippery conditions. So I think that suits her really well. And she certainly showed off this week and what she can do. 
Yeah, there's some great photos on uh, online from Hama of Katie Compton and Ellen Noble just wrenching their way through the mud uh, along with Sana Khan. I mean, just look, I, look, I'm a terrible cyclocross racer. You guys are much more proficient than I am. When you get to a race that is that muddy and that technical, what does it do to the tactics and to just the the way you approach a, a race like that? Like, put yourself in Ellen Noble's shoes. You're young, you got power. Like, what's how do you pray, uh, approach a race like that? I mean, I think for her, she probably went in with a lot of confidence because she actually likes those conditions. You know, some people hate those conditions. Then you get into the race action and sometimes you end up matching up with people you don't normally see because there's different people that excel at different things. And being off the front with, with Katie, I think that was also just inspiring to her. Probably gave her a lot more confidence. It's all about, it's the, the, same, the same rules apply. It's getting around that course as fast as possible. If that takes running, if that takes hopping, if that takes just powering through the muck, that's what you do. And you see some people will get off their bikes and run even straightaways in that Zevin race. It was ridiculously sloppy. And uh, you just have to gauge your effort and gauge which is most efficient and, and practical at the time. So I think it's also more of a, aggressive mindset too when you get into these muddy races just because opportunities present themselves much more unexpectedly than they do in a dry race in terms of you know getting a gap on somebody you never know when someone is going to bobble a corner have trouble in a boggy section or miss a pedal when they're remounting it's not like a dry race where there's a very finite number of moments when you can make your decisive move so it's a little more of a free-for-all sometimes when it gets muddy like this, which is kind of wild and exciting. And I think that's why the racing tends to be more exciting to watch too. I think to that same point, if you have the opportunity to get a gap, you take it and exactly. you don't let go of it because you never know if your chain's going to snap or if your derailleur's going to get bogged down. Like you saw Vanderpool at one point was actually, it seemed like he was telling people to chill out and let Wout do a lot of work on the front end at, at Zevin. And then all of a sudden he had the mechanical and he's back to 10th and he's a minute and a half down and he's got to come all the way back through the field. The next day, of course, he doesn't do that. He goes off the front and he just puts it down. Yeah. And so this brings up something I was wanting to discuss with you guys. We've been talking about this, I think, it feels like for over a season now where it's, we're saying the women's races are more exciting to watch than the men's races. These, you know, Matthew Vanderpool goes on his muddy time trial for an hour and then, they, then he wins. Or, or he has a mechanical and then Wout Van Erich goes on his time trial and wins. The women's race, you know, the Zevin race and also the DVV race, both were very close races, awesome action, several riders in the mix. I'll tell you what, I think the UCI, they need to just call an audible and change it and have the uh, women's race be primetime. Run the men's race first. That way we people here on the western side of the U.S. can can wake up at a reasonable hour and see the, the best race of the day, which is the women's race. Hey, you know, like NFL football, they'll change around their schedule sometimes depending on the weekend if they if they see a better matchup. So why not just uh, call an audible, put the women in the prime time? That's the, uh, the, the cyclocross version of a flex game. Flex game. In the That's parlance it. of our times. Exactly. They're all going to be there anyway. Come on. I mean, just... just Swap them I, around. I, I like it because I always set the uh, alarm and then like sleep through it and I don't end up, you know, I always chime in and I get, I, I follow the race via old tweets. Yeah. 
from bed. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, I can't believe she did that. And I'm like, oh, God, what did she, what happened? I need to go back in time and understand what happened. Uh, I'm with you. I mean, it's hands down. Women's racing uh, has long been, I feel like, the more compelling events. And this year, it's not even close. Mm-mm. I mean, with Vanderpool, so much stronger than everyone else. The only time he loses, it seems, is when, I don't know, there's like a sniper hiding in the bullet, the bushes who <laughs> shoots his derailleur off. Um and with the women's race, I mean, how many different World Cup winners have we seen now? I mean, Katarina won one. Um, we've had Maud Coptins. We've had Sana Kant. Uh, Katie Compton has been right there. We had Ellen Noble. I mean, it just seems like... That's the other part of it is cross-generational. You've got these long-time standard bearers of cross-dominance with Helen Wyman doing really well yeah, this Wyman year. Yeah, Wyman was in the mix. Katie Compton yeah. doing well, but that's the new generation. Sana's kind of in the middle. You know, she's been around a bit, but you've got Ellen Noble coming up and Maude coming up and, and these other people. So it's been great to see cross-generational battles, whereas it's just two kids dominating or basically one kid at this point kid i use very very respectfully for for matthew um he's just been crushing it yeah well i mean we are going to keep watching this because we're right in it we're in the thick muddy center of the cyclocross season we have the christmas season coming up yep a few weeks away a few weeks away we have u.s nationals coming up in what a month and a half that'll be the second weekend in january oh so many good story reno reno real cyclocross hotspot real exactly biggest little cyclocross town in the west uh before we move off across what did we think about Katie Compton in her performances over the last couple of weeks? You know, we, Spencer, you did an interview with her. We've written a lot about how this is the first full season that she has really 100% committed herself to living in Europe, racing in Europe full time. Do we think it's paid off? Yeah. I'm, I'm betting my gelato money right now that she's getting a medal at Worlds this year. Mm. Yeah. Compton's looking great. She's she's looking good enough right now. She's not peaking too soon. If she had been winning every single European race throughout November, then I'd be a little concerned that she's she's lighting the matches too soon. But she's right th- where right where she needs to be, and I think she's going to turn it on and get a medal at Worlds. I will also bet some of Gregor's gelato money on uh, some of Gregor's life savings <laughs> on Katie Compton going for the win. Um, take her for the win. Going for a medal, boy, Sonicant looks really mm. good right now. Yep. I mean, it not just strong, but really technically savvy. We were watching that clip from the Flandrian Cross, and she just seemed like she was floating over that mud. I mean, she's really, she's really strong right now. Um, so I think that toppling her is a pretty tough one to ask, but it's cross. You never know. There could be that sniper in the bushes that shoots uh, Sonic Khan's derailleur off. It happens. You never know. It does happen. Uh, anyway, lots of good storylines to follow in the muddy world of cyclocross, which has got just so much muddier this week. I'm so happy the mud is back. This week's episode of the Velo News Podcast brought to you by Cyclops, manufacturers of some of the best smart trainers on the market, the Magnus and the Hammer. Spencer, these guys, Cyclops, they've been making smart trainers since 2009, which is kind of the dawn of the smart trainer era. 
And you know, beyond that, they're also a company that cares a lot about bike advocacy. Yeah, Fred, it's really cool. They actually have a lot of programs to support different organizations. They dedicate $100,000 every year to local, state, and national advocacy organizations. They do a gala where they raise a million dollars to support the Wisconsin Bike Federation. They even do fun stuff like Bike Your Brat to Work Day, which is uh, very Wisconsin of them to have uh, a bike day dedicated to bratwurst. But um, yeah, I'm more of a burger guy, but I would check it out if I was there. Uh, also, the Women's Mechanic Scholarship Program uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. It's something that, um, I mean, I, I just need like an editor's mechanic scholarship program because <laughs> yeah. I had the hardest time fixing a flat tire this week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, thanks to Cyclops for sponsoring the Velo News podcast. Let's get back to the show. All right, guys, uh, before we take off this week, we have some segments. Um, we got uh, some Ask a Cat 3s. We got some podium action to get into some very Giro d'Italia themed podium questions, but let's let's get into it. It's it's ask a cat three time. We spent some time riding our bikes over the Thanksgiving holiday, which makes us just total experts. Let's ask a cat three. Chris, what are our questions? All right, first one is: I'm 44 and ready to start racing. People say I need a power meter, but I only have 50 bucks. Do I A, invest in a brilliant new Kickstarter, B, buy a used one on eBay from a guy selling only this item, or C, forget power and get a better heart rate monitor? Ooh, that's an interesting question. I am going to go with buy the used one on eBay because as a Cat 3, lot of my gear, I'm not going to not gonna lie, has, is like performance gear, but from like 2009, 2010, that I purchased used because, hey, once performance gear, always high-end racing gear. So just because it's like, you know, Shimano 9-speed, hey, man, it's Durace. Like, it's still good. Ask a Cat 3. There you go. I, I'll give him two options here, Fred. First one, credit card. Hello? Just, uh, you know, <laughs> get, a, get a nice little credit card and... Worry about worry about paying for it later. Second idea is, hey, this is a chance for you to really start pestering that local shop for some sponsorship. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Just every walk in every there good like, cyclist hey, needs a good... Uh... I could easily be getting a top 15 in my local crit if you give me this power meter to train with. Hey, man, I've been getting some townline sprints. Like, do you want me to show you my resume of all the group ride success I've had? Totally. Yeah. Sponsor yeah. me. Great opportunity. I like it. All right, what's next? I have an answer for this guy. Oh, wait. Oh. I have an answer. Mm, okay, this is this Ask is a, a Cat 2. Ask of a, a Cat 2. Kind of a pitch. Just listen, save your 50 bucks, listen to Fast Talk. Oh, good Ooh. one. Ooh. Fast Talk faster. Podcast. That's it's true. the Bella News Podcast that actually teaches you something. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a crossover episode. This is a crossover yes. episode. Yeah. <laughs> Trevor in here giving us some hot takes. That's yeah, true. Ooh, sorry that, for this hot take. Sorry, sorry, fellers. <laughs> All right, next question. I've been a Cat 4 Cyclocross Raver. For years, Ooh. but would like to be a Art. cat three. Do I just have an embro deficiency? Oh, interesting. Well, if you are a cat four raver, I think you need to invest into some like bigger jinkos, you know, get some of those jinko <laughs> jeans, maybe some glow sticks. And I'd say put your 50 bucks towards um, like the best cat four <laughs> rave equipment. Oh, wait, racer? Oh, oh, racer. Racer. It uh, says raver, but I think he probably oh, meant man. racer. He also doesn't have 50 bucks. Right. That was the other Keep guy. Keep the jinkos. Keep the Jinko jeans, um, but just like 
yeah, man, if you will it, it will come. Like, all you got to do to be a Cat 3, it's real simple. You just have to dedicate your life to racing and training, kiss your wife and your family goodbye, and just settle into some, like, monastic lifestyle of all-the-time bike. And buy a lot of stuff on eBay. Ah, ATTB, all-the-time bike. Wow, okay, that went off the rails. I'm going to just leave that one alone. All right, let's go to the next one. (laughs) All right, finally, why are Cat 3s in Boulder so dang happy? Mm. No, probably because the trust fund that their great, great, great grandpa left to them after he invented some like steam engine back in 1800 uh, is still paying for their um, multimillion dollar house and their cafe lifestyle. I mean, that would be my guess, right? I mean, uh, that's kind of the cat three lifestyle here in Boulder, Colorado. I would say so. That's that's pretty good. Spencer, do you have an answer for why cat three is here? You are a Boulder based cat three. Why are you so happy? I'm pretty cranky, actually. I'm a pretty cranky guy. I don't know. I'm not sure if I could speak from experience on that one, but uh, the weather's nice. Well, so you don't have to buy as much out cold weather gear. Yeah, okay. I think National Geographic just named Boulder one of the happiest or the town with the happiest Americans. Hmm. Well, so that might have something to do with it. We're surrounded by happy people. You take your doggy to the dog psychologist, and he comes back all fixed. Then you know you get real, fixed. real happy. <laughs> <laughs> As always, we are looking for your Ask a Cat 3 questions. You can submit them to us through email at webletters at competitorgroup.com, or you can just tweet them at us, man, with a hashtag Ask a Cat 3. Tweet those questions. We'll field more of them and teach you how you can be the happiest of Cat 3s. Uh, all right, guys, let's get on to some podiums. You know, I got Giro d'Italia on the brain. I got Italian racing. So this week for the podium, I say let's let's name our podium top three for Giro stuff. Just anything Giro. Anything Giro. Open-ended. Open-ended Giro nice. question. Nice, uh, All right, Spencer, you're going to go first. Am I? Yeah, you okay. are. Okay, all right, and... Just uh, as you guys know, we always do put these up on Twitter, so you vote on these. Tell us who had the best podium. And in this case, it's the best podium of Giro stuff. My number three, I'm going to say my favorite is, number three favorite is the trophy. Okay. Mm. Just a cool, cool trophy. The infinite trophy. Yes, that's a great trophy. Number two, I'm going to say the hometown Italian heroes who go on the breakaway when, when they're like riding through their little tiny, mm. you know, hamlet where they grew up. Yeah. They'll, they'll break away and then stop on the roadside and say hi. And there's always like a little bit of hanky panky as far as trying to get a win on, on their hometown stage, that sort of thing. That's always fun. Have a bite of salami. But it's a bit provincial. It's very fun. The last, uh, number one I'd say for me is, uh, Tifosi. Just the, the the rabid fans and the fact that there is a cool Italian sounding word for these fans mm. and tifosi it's it's a tifosi. very insider type type word to know I like that one Chris Giro podium I have in third place I, I can't actually believe I'm going to say this but Chris Room no no oh. no close close well sort of bronzed oily Cipollini sightings. Oh, yeah. So good. That's a really good one. Yeah, yeah. This kind of plays to Spencer's point about the provincial nature of the of, of the Giro. The old couples that are inevitably hanging out of a third-story window cheering on the Giro as it passes through. Mm-hmm. Those are great. Finally, a place I love, place that I have a great affection for, the Dolomites. You can't can't beat that mountain range for its scenery, the the drama that it provides when they go there and the climbs and oh god, it's so awesome. Good stuff. Love those dolomites. Uh, okay, my Giro podium will commence in third place. 
I have last minute snow removal. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Every year it just seems like it's like four days beforehand and the announcer's going, Oh well, you know, the Italians still haven't cleared the like nine foot snow wall off of the top of the Stelvio. We're fairly confident they'll be able to do it uh, uh, when we go it'll up there happen. next week. I hope so. Okay. In second place, I have those Italian northern Italian uh military guards that wear the like mm. the Robin Hood hat with a mm-hmm. feather in it. Yeah. Definitely. Love those guys. They stand alongside the road and just keep the crowds back yep. in the Dolomite region. Not quite as violent as the uh, Garda Civil in the Vuelta, <laughs> which this year was just like, like to tackle the, people. Yeah, they were like the worst bunch of bouncers ever. It's like, get out of my club. These guys are a little bit more reserved, but they have a great, great outfit. And I would have to say, my favorite thing about the Giro d'Italia, which is going to make it such a challenge for Chris Froome and Team Sky to dominate, generally is Giro chaos. chaos. More specifically, people riding off course. Uh, remember this past year when the Peloton is thundering along to get to Mount Etna? And then, oh, wow, the, there was a, a, just a bad marking for the road. And I believe it was Quick Step. Took the whole peloton off course. Yeah. And everyone had to like jam on the brakes and just be like, oh, oh, oh right turn, not straight turn. Sorry about that. <laughs> course marshal just didn't get paid that day or no. something. <laughs> the like little pink note card that they had stapled to a telephone pole 100 <laughs> meters beforehand just didn't get the point across. So Jiro chaos, I just love because I do too. it makes it so hard to win that race. It's such a thing. And when someone really does pull it off, you, uh, you know... You just is get, it the hardest race to win? Hmm, good question. Ooh, I don't know. Paris Roubaix. Paris Roubaix might be. Paris Roubaix, yeah. Pretty hard. Hmm. Man, that's a good question. That's hmm. a good question. Hardest race to win. I think that would be the Velo News Lunch Ride. Well, we would <laughs> love your feedback on what For we talked about today. You can email us at webletters at competitorgroup.com. We'll also post links to the stories we talked about today on VeloNews.com. Subscribe to the Velo News Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And while you're there, please leave us a comment and a rating. Become a fan of Velo News on Facebook at facebook.com slash magazine and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash News. The Velo News Podcast is produced by Velo News, which is owned by Pocket Outdoor Media. The thoughts and opinions expressed on the Velo News Podcast are those of the individual. And as always, we leave you with the Brooklyn Boogaloo Blowout playing the Bernard Pretty Classic Soul Drums. Soul Drums.